Hey everybody, it's Maddie C. Welcome back to the What Am I Making podcast. It is really wonderful to have you here. I am back from my adventures and here to tell you all about it. In fact, I have a very special guest to help me tell some of the story. My mom swings by the shedio to run through the highlights of our adventures in Central America. Let's get into it. Everybody, welcome back to the pod. It's Maddie C. It's really wonderful to have you here. I am back from Central America. I am back at the desk. I am back in the shedio. It was an amazing trip. I can't wait for you to hear my conversation with my mom where we discuss just some of it. Um, I hope you kept up with the missives from Central America. If not, those are available on the archive. I run down basically in detail how we spent each day, what we did, who we met, what we saw. Uh, and then we go over some of that again today. So uh, it's been really fun to spend so much time with my mother, and we even touch on that uh, during the interview. But uh, I want to thank you all so much for your kind words and your encouragement while we were gone. Uh, there was a lot of support for, for the posts every day, and I know that it's already a lot when I hand you one post every day, and then while I was on break, on vacation, so to speak, I was throwing two of them at you, and I know that that's a lot to uh, absorb, so thank you for letting me throw that fire hose of information at you. Um, want to make sure that you guys have been keeping up with the radio show. Don't forget that every Friday at noon Eastern at Rockin' the Suburbs Radio at suburbsradio.com, you can hear my live shows. Every Thursday, I will post a question about that week's theme, and every Tuesday, I will play an episode that's archived here at WAIM. So make sure you're checking out the WAIM radio tab in the archive, and you're going over to Suburbs Radio every Friday at noon. And make sure you're paying attention and participating in those uh, call-outs where I ask for more tracks. Get involved by submitting your favorite songs on the theme for each week. Um, Another reminder that while I am home right now, I am going to hit the road again here in just a few months. I'm going to be going out for a very lengthy four-week tour in June where I will be taking the Shedio on the road. I'll be going all over the eastern half of the U.S. And uh, I just sort of, uh, not sort of, I just secured three dates here in just the last week or 10 days while I've been gone or since I've been home. Um, I have confirmed dates in uh, Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Maryland, and Kingston, New York. I'm really excited about all three of those shows. And uh, one of the ways that you can support the uh, the tour itself is you can participate in the Maddie C postcard program. This is where you can buy uh, one postcard, or you can buy a little multi pack postcard. Um, and uh, I will at one or more places along my route stop and purchase a card for you. I'll make a little note, let you know what's going on on the tour, and I will send it right to your house. It is a great way for us to stay in communication with each other while I am gone. You'll get a special note just from me. Uh, that's just for you. And uh, you can help throw a few bucks my way to help support the HMS Maddie C out there on the road this summer. You can find more about the postcard program and about my stuff if you head on over to my label's website. It's phonophorerecords.com. And if you want to find out about my solo shows and stuff, it's phonophorerecords.com slash Matthew Carlson. Uh, if you go over there and take a look and consider supporting or, uh, you know, RSVPing for one of the shows this summer, or I still need some hosts, this would be another thing you could help out with. Uh, I need some hosts in, uh, in a handful of places, most specifically in the southeast, I'm looking to fill about three or four days somewhere in the Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, Arkansas corridor. 
Um, I've got some dates running from the 22nd of June through about the 25th or so. And uh, I've got some dates to fill. So if you want to go on over to 404records.com slash Matthew Carlson, you can see the tour itinerary and kind of see the spots I'm trying to fill. Hosting a show is incredibly easy. You basically just need room for 20 or 30 friends, um, a place for me to set up and one outlet for me to plug into. From there, you can do as much or as little as you like. You can make a fancy meal. We can order some pizzas. You can just tell people they're on their own. Um, it's usually BYOB, although people do offer a handful of things usually. And um, it's a it's a nice little party and it's a great way to share my stories and my songs with your band with your band with your neighbors and um you can you can create a really special evening for your your friends and the people in your community and it's an honor for me to be a part of it i'd love it if we could do something together so hit me up um i just published over the last couple weeks two guest editions of the 13 films to get to know me um my friend and bandmate and archivist and artist and awesome dude uh jay virus did his that got a ton of feedback um jay is a super great old friend and i love him dearly and i was so excited when he reached out to me and wanted to be a part of this so make sure you're checking that out and then even more recently i published one from my my good friend kevin alexander who runs a terrific Substack that you should be subscribing to called on repeat and uh, kevin writes about music um, both new and old and um it's just a great interesting guy and a great great writer and um Kevin put his list together and uh, that too got a lot of feedback and it has sparked a couple more people wanting to volunteer and throw their hat in the ring. And maybe that could be you. I would love it if you could tell us who you are with your 13 films. Let me help you put that together. You can either email me directly at what am I making blog at gmail.com or you can comment on one of these posts on the, on the sub stack and we can find each other that way. Or, you can even send me a, uh, a voicemail. You can go to uh, speakpipe.com slash what am I making. Leave me a good old-fashioned voicemail, and it'll show up in my inbox. I might even be able to play it on the show. So please uh, hit us up. Let us know what your 13 films are. I'd love to help you put that together. Uh, don't forget that if you're in the Lansing area on March 13th, we are doing a screening and live Q&A and discussion about the Swedish classic My Life as a Dog. You can pick up your tickets now at robintheater.com. That's the robintheater, T-H-E-A-T-R-E.com. You can buy either just a ticket to the screening, or you can also buy a special combo where you can support local bookshop, A Novel Concept, and you can buy a copy of the novel on which the film is based as well as get your ticket to the screening on March 13th. Uh, last but not least, my friends, make sure you are participating in our Best Band of the 90s Bracket Challenge. This is ongoing every Saturday. We've got a new set of matchups. We are working our way very much close to the quarterfinals now. Uh, we are just on the verge of that, so make sure that you're paying attention and uh, you're voting each and every Saturday. Democracy counts on it. Uh, you cannot. Uh, democracy dies when we stay at home, kids. You have to get out there and vote. You can only vote once per email address or per Substack account. Um, but uh, go out there and uh, come on over and and vote and have fun and get the conversation rolling. I would love to know. Do you think REM is going to live up to the number one seed? Uh, is Nirvana going to going to pull off the minor upset? Will Will Pearl Jam make it to the finals? Uh, where did Radiohead come in? Do the do the experimental hipsters take over uh do gbv have a chance they're the fifth seed they're the most prolific band in the history of rock and roll maybe and certainly of the 1990s and i'm just fascinated to see where this is all going to go uh kids uh before i get into the interview with with my mom um wow that is a hell of a way to start to ask for paid subscriptions before i talk to my mommy i want to remind you that uh, this space is powered completely and solely by listeners and readers like you. Um, I know that's a very PBS thing to say, but this is a very PBS model. I'm running this thing without a paywall, and I'm trying to grow the audience as much and as fast as I can and do that in a really genuine and sincere way. I'm trying to continue to put out work that I think is really, really consistently good and that I'm proud of. 
But this work is reliant upon your financial support. I spend a lot of time on this, and it's time that I love, and it's time that I am, am so thrilled to be spending. But it's also time that I'm not doing anything else. So this has to be generating some kind of revenue. And to be very candid with you, the free readership is growing at a, at a really nice clip, a really great rate. And since that has really picked up, the paid subscriptions have basically stayed the same. And I'm trying to find some new ways to entice folks or encourage folks to get involved and to become a sponsor. Um, if you're able to do that and you haven't yet, now would be an amazing time to do that. You can do it for as little as $5 a month. You can sign up for a yearly subscription for $60. Um, you can also become a founding member if you've got a little bit of extra cash. And it's incredible what something like that can do, not only for the logistical needs of this space in my life, but also in terms of making me feel that I'm on the right path. So if this is something you appreciate and something you like and something you enjoy, especially if you enjoy it every day, I'd really, really like to encourage you and ask you if you would consider to sign up for a paid subscription today. So you can go to whatamimaking.substack.com, sign up for that paid subscription. If you've already got a subscription, maybe you want to gift one to a friend. Uh, if you're not in a spot to be able to help with money right now, that's completely understandable. There are a couple of ways you can help. You can share this pod or any articles from the Substack that you really enjoy. And, um, you know, the more you get those out there, the more likely it is we will find an audience that is like-minded to us. The other thing you can do is like, rate, and review this pod wherever you listen. That makes an amazing difference. So please make sure that you're uh, you're doing that even if you don't have the, uh, the the coin right now to pay for a paid subscription. Thank you so much to everybody for your support. As always, uh, you know I need to I need to grow the revenue streams here, and I understand that that's a slog. Um, but I don't ever want to feel like I'm taking for granted the people who have been supporting me from the beginning and all of you who have trusted me with your time and your faith and and your expertise. And I I just I thank you so much for all of the things that you've done to support me here. Uh, so please don't ever think that when I ask for more, that it's out of a lack of respect or or acknowledgement of what's already been done. So thanks so much. I really appreciate that. So now, after I've asked for your your money and your support and your shares and all that stuff, I'm going to get into this conversation with my mother because she didn't know we were doing this apparently. <laughs> She uh, she came over to the shadio and I had asked her to, to have this conversation on the record, and uh, she she didn't know that I'm in it literally. Um, so let me get in let me get into my intro and then we can get into the uh, the conversation with me and my mom about our trip to Central America. My mom and I just got home from a two week adventure in Central America. It was a trip that came to be after visa issues had derailed our journey to Southeast Asia last fall. This sojourn, born of heartbreak in that Chicago airport, blossomed into an immersive look at a shared colonial past in a trio of breathtaking countries. With a cocktail in hand, you can even hear the ice cubes clink from time to time on the tape. Ama and I set to rehash the highlights of our remarkable trip together. I had unknowingly ambushed her with the recording setup. I'd asked her to come by and have a conversation about our trip on the record, but she didn't realize I meant it literally. Still, she was game, and we set to recording. During our chat, we cover many of the highlights of our adventure, including the El Salvadoran elections, the surprising, the surprising dearth of Americans in Central America, as well as our colonial legacy, both ancient and recent. You'll also get to hear two dear old friends that managed to get along incredibly well together on the road. Come share our stories our impressions, and the joy of our Central American adventure. Join me and Ama for some travel talk. Enjoy. Thank you for doing this. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> we probably won't include that first bit. All but, right. But yeah, That's uh, I appreciate good. you letting me sabotage you since you didn't know we were going to do this. And at least there's a cocktail. 
There is definitely a cocktail, uh, and I get to spend more time with you. Well, let's let's talk about our time together. Let's um, let's start with kind of your overall feeling about going back to Central America for the first time in at least ten or twelve years. Um, I had hoped that Nicaragua and El Salvador would have changed more than they had, that they would be, um, well, I guess they were ready for tourists, but they didn't seem to be as prepared for dealing with tourists as I thought they would. Not that I want to be catered to. It's that um, we had to do the work. People weren't saying, oh, you have to see this, you have to see that. They didn't realize that they have these treasures there that we want to know about. And the treasures that they did know about and want to share were kind of all very specific. It was all sort of very beach-related, very... Right. uh, Kind of stuff that's already, I think, apparent to anybody who's interested in going to that part of the world. Right. And so they weren't really like, hey, here's this ecological park 90 miles away, or here's this ruin that's a half an hour over here. Yeah. Um, I mean, I even in Santa Ana, you're, I mean, it's only, it's only like 12 miles, but it's like a 40-minute drive. But I don't think most of those people in Santa Ana know about Tasu Mall unless they've been there on a field trip. They certainly wouldn't direct, well, if there were any other American tourists, they wouldn't have directed them there. Now let's, <coughs> excuse me, let's also acknowledge that in Santa Ana, we kind of found the sweet spot. Oh, for sure. Right. So it is kind of that thing of like, I, like there's a really fine window where like you want enough amenities, you want enough infrastructure, but you don't want it ruined by people like us. And that's, we talked about that a lot on our trip. There were no people like us. There were no people like us in in El Salvador specifically. Right. Um, but in Nicaragua as well. We were very much the other. I I loved the couple of full days we had in Santa Ana where we could walk down that street where the market was right outside our hotel and be the only white people as far as we could see in either direction and largely the only people speaking English. And children everywhere. Oh, like those two boys chasing each other through the yep. little alley, just making a, a play area out of this decimated building. Right. Climbing through empty windows, and it was delightful. It was just a treat. Um, We did a lot of that kind of thing. We did. Uh, How much of that do you think we did because we planned well, and how much of that is just possible when you have more than a week to try to take in a part of the world? I think we had very few expectations or even plans. I think we knew the general route that we were going to take and where we needed to end up when. And we were open in the meantime. And that is my favorite way to travel. It kind of felt like we hit the sweet spot in that we knew that we wanted to see specific things. And we knew we needed to get home at a certain point. Right. Um, But... You know, if if Leon had been a bust, which it certainly wasn't, no, we could have ducked out of Dodge Dare too early. Yes, we could. Um, I didn't feel. Did you feel like we saw anything that was a bust? Gosh, no. Okay. Gosh, I sure didn't. No, and I there were things that I never heard of that church, and to be able to walk around on those white domes and feel like I was on a mosque when it was clearly not. And then you go inside and there's the traditional cathedral with the gold inlays and uh, it was stunning. It was really amazing. Uh, I have not seen as many as you have, but I've seen a lot of churches. A lot of churches. I've never seen any church like that one. Not ever. And it is like, it's almost like walking on clouds, which I wonder if that was the idea. Maybe. Uh, and it just... And again, like this is a an UNESCO World Heritage Site. It is, if you look up things to do in Leon, this is like the number one thing. Well, were there a dozen other tourists on top of that building with us? Probably. And most of them 
looked like they might have been locals. I, there was one group of kids that clearly looked yes, like they were from right, the area. Right. And it just so nobody's nobody's going out of their way to go to this place. No. Um, and you don't have to go out of your way even much. No. I mean, you'd have I to mean, go. It, you'd have to go to Central America, which is what people are not doing. You would have to go to Central. Well, certainly. How many people from the United States did we see in two weeks? Until we got, got to, until we got to Guatemala, <laughs> uh, almost none. I don't remember any. Um, I saw what could have been a Canadian couple or could have been an American couple at our hotel in Granada. I don't know. Okay. Um, of, and that was like the first morning. Yeah. After that, all I saw were Europeans. And there was one couple that I know they were Canadian because I heard them talking to another mm-hmm. couple mm-hmm. about being from Ontario. Right. Which we're basically from Ontario. Um. So, no, I don't really think we saw much in the way of Americans until we got to Guatemala. Most of the tours that we saw, and that was interesting to me, were people who were there for an extended amount of time and were going to travel for several countries like we were. Right. Only they were doing it in three months instead of two weeks. Right. And I was astounded at the single women traveling. Astounded and encouraged. Very. Um, Very. And And I was lucky to be able to talk with a couple of them at length. And spend the day with them. Yes, had a lovely conversation. And that is one of the beautiful things. Like, as as much as people who travel the way that you and I traveled on this trip, where it was all independent and it was all our own itinerary, you know, people might might bristle at the thought of a tour. I think before I went to Morocco, I thought, I don't know how much I'm going to, I don't know if this is going to be a problem. And there's a, there's a give and take to it for sure. But there's also... Uh, kind of a purity to just saying I'm going to go do this thing and then even if it's just for the day I'm going to turn myself over to this other thing and then other people are in that situation with you and it just breeds this sort of traveler's compassion that most folks just kind of bust out and want to share their adventures and hear from from you about yours. It breaks down a lot of the initial um oh hi where are you from and what do you do for a living people didn't ask what they did for a living Mm -mm. i mean we knew that some of the people were working remotely and that's all we knew and no your interest is that you're a traveler that you're looking at this beautiful country and wanting to see something new and fresh and share it with others and i was that was my actual um highlight i suppose People say, you know, what do you remember? Well, I will remember that. I will remember driving in a tuk-tuk with those people from four different countries. And there were only five different countries. And there were six of us. And there were six of us in that (laughs) tuk-tuk. Yeah. We're like an Olympic delegation in that tiny little vehicle. I'm pretty sure in the United States you could not have six people in a tuk-tuk. I'm not even sure it's legal in Guatemala, but no one's going to enforce it. (laughs) That was terrific. Um, that was just terrific. And then, you know, and then, you know, the young man from the Netherlands, Richard, we waved to him at least four other times yes. on that trip. He was on buses and flights and in, yep. in Tikal with us. And yep. it was just yep. really funny. So you like kept yep. seeing this. It was almost like seeing a long lost friend yep. that you'd met one time right. for 10 minutes. Uh, I, I also, I, I was reminded of the pride of place that everyone has. Right. And really just totally love how people buzz about the place they're from and they want to share mm-hmm. what's great about it. And I don't think most people are Pollyanna-ish. I think that they have a pretty realistic view of where they live, but the things that they're proud of, they're genuinely proud of. You know? Legitimately um, so. What What are a couple of those moments that you remember? I remember, um, actually, it's a pretty shameful thing for me because everybody that we did talk to who spoke English, which wasn't a lot, but every single person knew so much about our country and our politics. And 
I am wo- wo- woefully ignorant of most of theirs. So much so that we were in El Salvador two days before a presidential election in the country and didn't know until a cab driver told us. Right. Exactly. Ex- but that actually was one of the real perks oh, of the for thing sure. for me. Actually, that whole weekend, even though we couldn't get a drink because you can't have alcohol served for the weekend of election, and that elections are on Sundays as they are in Ecuador, which um, makes kind of sense. Uh, It's a very common day throughout much of the world to have it on the Sabbath so that there's an opportunity for more people to vote. This is another example of where uh, you and I discussed this on our vacation as well. One of the things that's wonderful about going to other countries is you get the privilege of seeing what we do well, things that you take for granted. You know, things like basic infrastructure or uh, roads or clean water or throwing toilet paper in the can when you flush. But there's also stuff that even in places like Guatemala, Nicaragua and El Salvador, where there are lessons that we could learn. Right. You know, and one of them is it'd be great if we could find a way for more people to participate in democracy instead of fewer. That was a good thing about about El Salvador, too, because in when I was in Ecuador for their election last year, um, everybody that we talked to and they were just tour guides, taxi drivers, guards, whatever. They don't vote right. it, because that's just doesn't do any good they're that's their own little i mean they had an assassination the minute we arrived yeah not 10 minutes from where we had our hotel and And no one was like the leading candidate at the time and no one thought anything of it oh yeah that's just those politicos and yet in el salvador people actually had a vested interest and sounded like they were voting that's good yeah i mean it sounds like the candidate that they chose is uh, compromised in his successes, shall we say? Um, you know, it's hard to know. It's hard um, to know. But uh, it was fascinating to have on the ground conversations with real people the day before the election. That was really, really interesting. Really interesting. Um, as I shared with you that day, as we were kind of walking around, it reminded me very much of traveling to Britain in 2016 and right. the feeling right after Brexit. Right. That that was something that just even people who were apolitical, it couldn't be avoided. Um, And how it's a bellwether for what happens where you live. You know, it's nothing happens in an echo chamber. Um, One of the I I remember hearing the phrase unformulated theory thrown out a lot on our trip. Oh, my. Um, Every taddy. Yes. one One of the unformulated theories that we tried to suss out was that we felt a sense of. And I think the best word we could find was joy lacking in the Nicaraguan people. Yep. And you and I both found that troubling. And we talked about kind of the long arm of history. And these people have been through the ringer more than once. And I think they've lost, unlike maybe the people in El Salvador, I think they've lost a lot of hope. They're filled with some cynicism about, they've got a guy who's been in power for more than 40 years. And he was installed by forces outside their own country. Um, and yet there is such an immense pride of place. Oh, my. The Nicaraguan people. And history. I, I was so moved by Leon. I was so amazed by how fresh that revolution still is, how much it still matters, the way that they mark it, um, the way that that they pay tribute to it. I was also really, really impressed and encouraged by the number of women who were represented in what we saw. Right. Um, right. That walkway that had all of the pictures that there were a lot of women. Yes. Um, am I wrong that that seems not only a surprise in a military movement, but doubly so in a Latin American culture that is kind of known for being chauvinist. If I may make a stereotype. I, I think I think in the revolutionaries, that is not so much the case. Okay. I I know that the um, um, in Mexico when I've been, um, the the people who they respect their women, 
and they know that really they rule the roost. Are you speaking specifically of Zapatistas in Chiapas? Uh, not specifically, but that would be included, yes. Okay. Absolutely, yes. And, oh, I cannot remember the woman's name who won the Nobel Peace Prize from Guatemala. Gilbertina or some... Oh, I can't remember her name. But she's like a real strong hero. And uh, and we saw so many fewer people dressed in native costumes or what we think of as traditional garb than I saw 10 or 12 years ago that I, I don't know if... It's not comfortable to wear it if they've been too westernized, if it's dangerous to wear it, because there was a genocide there. Yeah. And uh, I mean, virtually the the populations of native people, of indigenous folk in pretty much that whole region, save for Guatemala. Right. Those folks have largely been extinguished or have have wound up becoming refugees that probably went to Guatemala. There are none in El Salvador and Nicaragua. There are not pueblos that have people living as they have hundreds of years. Right. And I don't think that's probably going to be able to continue. When you see people walk around with a wepil and a colorful skirt and a cell phone, you know that the change is unavoidable and you, you can't stop it. Right. <clears throat> and young people are probably not going to want to continue the old customs. They're going to want to do whatever is on video games or TV or anything else that they can see. And I've been thinking about that since we got back, and I was thinking about that as this sort of benign outgrowth of colonialism. Like, we think of it as capitalism, but it is rooted in colonialism. Like, we brought the modern world to them. Mm Mm-hmm. And as the modern world has evolved and they've been forced to evolve alongside it, they've had to make this series of choices and those choices are getting more and more difficult for them to make. And so they've become less and less like choices and more and more like the only option. Um, and I, I wonder, one of the things we also talked about was we wondered, like with a lot of the female vendors, they're dressing in traditional clothing. But they're bringing their kids, and their kids are dressing in Western garb. Right. So then you start to wonder, is this even really real, or is this just a uniform you wear for work? Yep. And the answer is probably yes. That when she goes home, she puts on something much closer to what you and I wear at night than what she's wearing during the day while she's trying to hawk fruit or textiles or whatever it is she's selling. We don't know. No. We we only see them in their business garb. And maybe that's all it is. I worry that that's all it is. I mean, I think that there are, in the same way that we have native traditions or folk traditions here that we're trying to keep up, It's it feels like it's becoming less a way of life and more a museum piece. I don't know that I feel bad about that because, as a woman, I know that those cultures, most of them, um, women were commodities you were um, not chosen you didn't choose you were bartered or whatever and that still happens we found that in Chiapas we definitely found that in Chiapas and uh, that's not good under any circumstances I don't care if you're trying to preserve a way of life that way of life doesn't need to be preserved for my money absolutely not I mean any more than saying okay there's something to preserving southern heritage you can do that without right. making slavery right. a good thing yes there's yes. a way to, there's a way to do that there's a way to honor that definitely and, and say and here are the missteps of that culture yep um but again to either just wholesale accept it or wholesale dismiss it is anathema to education and not realistic no very few things in this world are wholly good or wholly bad very few things. There's an awful lot of gray out there. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what stood out to you about our experience in Antigua? Because we spent more time there than anywhere else. And we I did. Think, and I think we had um, very similar sort of mixed feelings about it. It is. It's not quite Disney World, 
but it isn't how people live. It is definitely a tourist place, but it is called Antigua Guatemala. It's not just Antigua. It means old Guatemala because that's where the capital used to be. And so to see those buildings and I don't know how many churches. Oh my god, there's one there's one crumbling on every other street corner. <laughs> every other street corner. And um to see it is it's beautiful and it was kind of relaxing and a little indulgent because it's it's kind of top drawer for Central American travel. It's, and it's kind of bougie. That is not so bad after traveling oh lots thousands of miles it's really not so bad um but it's not it's not very authentic it no um you and i were talking uh, it's a you know it's an ancient walled city yep it was built in the early 1500s it was one of the first things the spanish built when they came to the new world yep um same there is not a cobblestone s- streets yeah that i cannot imagine being a taxi driver on. nope nope, nope god forbid there's just, there's a million motorcycles in the city. There's like two motorcycles for every person in the city. Easily. And they all line up on the sidewalks next to each other, perpendicular to the sidewalk. And I can't, I'm, I'm watching like pairs of people going down the street. And it just doesn't look fun. It doesn't look enjoyable at all. All of the school buses from here that have been taken down there to be public transit. Yeah. And... Some of them are duded up with colored lights and uh, spangles. They've and, all got a name. Yep. They're like Estrella or Esmeralda. Yep. Yep. Or... But they're still often that same yellow with the black uh-huh. stripes on it. Some of them even had the school's name on them. Yes. And um, somebody has a wholesale business in renovating yeah, those I don't things. Know who's, I don't know who's lifting those out of the bus garage I and then moving them know. to Guatemala, but they, that's a cottage industry. <clears throat> um, really interesting. I was, and I know I was on my walk uh, the one day by myself and I found this, but I was so fascinated by the sort of chicken bus staging area behind the market because you got to watch all these people getting ready to go home after a very long day. And it's the subway. It's the subway. It's, it is no different than going to like, you know, the Fifth Street Station or whatever. None. And getting on the blue line. It's no different. Um, I'm sure I just I just conflated like six different mass transit systems. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but like I, you know, I, I took a handful of photos that I thought were really kind of interesting of just people waiting around. And this was such a great moment of me watching people thinking of something that they think of as banal, that they're bored by, that they can't wait for it to be over. And I'm just fascinated by it. And I, that's the thing I'm most allured by with travel is that it changes your mind about simple things that whole banality um when we went okay for instance when we got on a plane and flew to flores to go to see tikal that's huge for us okay we're gonna go we're gonna not pay very much money really and fly across the country and land in this place and it's really cool and then we're gonna talk to this guard who's been I mean, this guide who's been taking people around Tikal and feels so proud of what he does and so humbled by it and calls it magic. And every day is new to him. But for a lot of those people, they're going to drive that same van to get the people to the airport. Yep. They're going to drive that same bus to get people into Flores. They're going to take that same plane and be a stewardess on it. And oh my gosh, for them... It's it's just business as usual. Yeah, it's just but another day in the jungle. But for one day, for us, jungle. Oh, yeah. Those people at the lodge, they serve their coffee every morning, and they just don't even care. No. And for us, it was like Tarzan and Jane. It, oh, my word. That was spectacular. Uh, I want to make sure I get this right. $78? Yes. Is that what it was? Yes. Okay. We stayed in a in a room, and it was nothing but a room. It was a room and two beds. That was it. Yep. But you go out onto a little veranda, and the jungle's right there. Yep. And you walk out, and there's this beautiful outdoor 
restaurant that looks like something out of a looks like something out of Magambo or something like just this most elegant lodge just cut out of the wilderness <clears throat> and then you walk with out the door tables and a fancy bar oh, yeah. with candlelight absolutely delicious gin and tonic uh and then you walk down this little path and you turn right and you turn right again and you're in the damn park right it right. was <clears throat> it was just a stunning experience I wouldn't even mind spending a week there. And it would be it would be so relaxing and you could read and then the pool area you didn't even go up there to the behind that. It's like all by myself I'm in the jungle and then there's this pool with a veranda and tables and it's so quiet and sunny and it was I would recommend that to was anybody. Was it was it hot in the jungle, mom? No. No. Did people warn us that it was going to be hot in the jungle? Yes. They warned the northerners from Michigan that it was going to be hot. It was. Ne- I was never like, oh my God, it's so hot. Never. The entire time we were on vacation. Never. Not and once during was, our trip. It was like high 80s in Nicaragua, and it never, that wasn't no. bad. In fact, no, the first night dry. we had the air conditioning on, and I froze to death, and we never turned it on after that. No. We didn't need it again. No. It was really great. Really it was great. much warmer than when we went to Morocco. Oh, entirely. Very comfortable. Not hot, but um, I, I was not cold ever. It got chilly at night in Antigua, but with a jacket, it was fine. It was fine. But yeah, and then we would just walk 15,000 steps and go... Yes, we did. Get drinks and eat dinner. Yep, um, did. What... What do you suspect? Oh, I, I thought of another moment that, that I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed our drink with Bisa Mark. Oh, my. I felt so bad not buying anything from him. It never would have gotten home. No. I mean, I know he doesn't care because he just wants to make the sale, but it never would have gotten home. No. Um, but that was such an interesting conversation. I mean, here's this guy who gets on a bus every morning. Packs a backpack full of stuff, walks to the streets of Antigua or Granada, which were not busy at all. No. At all. I mean the the it wasn't just the lack of American tourists in Nicaragua. It was the lack of tourists. It was there were more of them in Leon. There was almost no presence of tourists in Granada. It isn't even tourists. It's that you have coffee shops and in any other city I've been to, there are locals who go to the coffee shops and right. sit out in the sun. And have a, a cup of coffee or a biscotti or something. There, there was nobody. Yeah. I, we did was... We did happen upon that little plaza, I think, the second night that we were there. And we saw some families, but it was still really quiet. Uh, you know, most of the time in the main square by the cathedral in whatever city you're in, there's a big to-do, even on weeknights. And they're just, even in the main square... Uh, there was more of that in Leon because the church is so huge, and I think the square is pretty impressive. But it still wasn't—it wasn't a fraction of what it is in Mexico. My experience in Leon, um, in Granada specifically, in Leon, it felt like it was steady but not swamped. It, I would have thought in a city like Leon, that cathedral would have been that square would have been packed. I would have thought, but I didn't think there were any people there. The only one that had any people. Until we got to Antigua was... Santa Ana. Santa Ana. Yeah. But that church looked like... My gosh. And that's, that church n- that's lit That's new. Up that was only night. like 130 years old. Oh, right. Yeah. That thing does look like a Disney creation. Oh, my goodness. That's beautiful. The way they've got it lit up is really... It's really something. It's really something. Um, But no, it doesn't look real. Although, there is there is quite a little uh, sleight of hand that happens when you see it first at night, which is the front of it is all painted white. Right. And it's all this beautiful, like, white marble-looking thing. And then there's, like, these weird off-shades of white. And the, and lighting, green and... And the lighting is, like, su- so it makes it look super three-dimensional. It makes it almost, like, hyper-real. Yep. But then when you see it during the day, you realize that everything on the side is just in regular red brick. Right. And that... At night, you don't even notice that because the front of it is so dazzling, all lit up like that. Yeah, I just thought it know, all looks like a I felt like I, I felt cake. like I'd been duped the next morning when I saw it. I was like, "Wait a second. 
really, really experience that I will never forget. Just because we saw the colors sort of from uh, several blocks away. Right. And we went, what is that? But that's the that's the joy of being on your own and just walking around. You stumble on those things. Do you miss stuff? Probably. Yes. But you're not guided by this guy with a flag and he's leading 40 people along these... Uh, no. And we did There's see that, that once in Antigua. We did. And I got I got the shakes a little yeah. bit. And yeah. I was like, oh, I'm so glad we're not doing that right yep. now. Right. Um, again, uh, doing it in that part of the world just doesn't make sense when I get to travel with you, at least. Well, your Spanish was getting pretty darn good, man. It was getting better. It was getting better. You were... Um, I Because I sat in the front and talked to the cab drivers, especially Josue... Uh, I know that you were picking up just about everything that we were saying. I picked up the the I I could have done a a Cliff's Notes version of the conversation. There you go. That right. that would have been I probably would have missed a handful of things and I would have not picked up on some nuance, but I would have been able to get the gist of the facts pretty pretty straight. Um, I thought I thought Josue was terrific. We got three different rides with him, and he was just a peach. He was. And uh, a joy to talk to and wanted conversation, wanted... I thought it was really interesting when he talked about how gringos get in his cab and often they just don't even say anything. Especially if they are rich, he said. Yeah. And I suppose he can tell that. And he clearly could tell that we were not. We certainly didn't behave like it. Well, I, I'm sure that comparatively we are. I mean, we can travel. Not right. a lot of people can do that. Right. But I think he's talking about people who he's talking about could buy his car with cash that he has in his pocket. <laughs> right, right. What uh, what am I forgetting that will stick with you from our journey? Mostly spending time with you, sunshine. I think we traveled pretty well, and I think we traveled very well. I don't remember unless you held it in quite. Remarkably, I'm not that good an actor. Uh, any riffs, any no. tension, any whatever. I think we are both willing to go with the flow. And even when things like that 15-hour day on the bus and transfers and trying to find a way to get to Santana, um, you know, we held it together and both of us said, okay, this is difficult. This is one day. We know we are not going to be stuck because we have resources, we have money. Somehow right. we're going to get out of this. Now, it was the same day that we were literally spending our last $70 to get a cab ride. And then until we could get cash, we were pretty much broke. I was very convinced I was going to have to text my sister and ask her to send us some money via Western Union. And I was able to find a Western Union open in Santa Ana. But again, we have resources. Right. When I think of people traveling from Venezuela up to El Paso, they're not doing that on a lark. They're no. only doing it because they're desperate and they don't have any alternative. We always had a way out. No, and they, yeah, they don't have a plan B. And uh, I, I think about being in Central America, I thought about... How how desperate do you have to be to pick up your family and take them hundreds, thousands of miles to a chance of a better life? We saw people walking across the border in Honduras. We oh, saw that. Oh yes, we did. Those yes, were we not did. those were not people out for a day trip. Nope. Nope. And when they asked them where they were going, Guatemala. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are first yeah because guatemala is the acceptable answer well it's where they're going but it's not where they're stopping it's not where they're staying i i just i look at that and i sort of feel like if you can stand on the ground and you can watch that family walk away and know how far they have to go what they have to face and that they have to do it all on foot hungry cold wet terrified if you can look at that and not go there, but for the grace of God, go I. 
It does make you grateful. I, if you can't summon that, I don't think we have much to have a conversation about. I just don't. Um, I am so lucky that I don't have to make that decision. That I don't have to do that for my kids. But I know that I would. I know that if I thought that was what I had to do, I would do it. Um, and it, in a way, is a privilege to see that and be reminded of that. It is. As hard as it is. Um, what, uh, what would you say to people who are thinking, hey, I might go to Central America? What would you tell them that we saw that they should see? An entirely different way of life on one hand, and yet people are living the same way we are with restaurants and um, schools, taking care of your families. Everything is exactly the same as far as humanity goes, but the details are different and they're so interesting to observe. That reminds me, you literally are telling the story about how things are different, but they're the same. And it reminds me of the afternoon that we walked by the school when we were in Leon. And there's a big blue two-story building. And there's these open sort of breeze blocks. And so the sound comes through. And you can tell they're all at lunch. You can hear it. And I turned to you and I said, it sounds the same in any language. Any language. And you knew exactly what I meant. And that transported me back to any of a thousand high school cafeteria visits for my job. You can't discern one word. No. In that blah, 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 nope. blah, And it doesn't matter. Nothing. I couldn't discern it in English or Arabic nope. or Spanish. Nope. But it sounds like lunch at school. Bunch of kids. And it sounds great. Sounds great. And again... Because you're in a foreign place, it sounds interesting. And instead of going, I've heard that a million times, you listen to the tiny difference and you're awake for it. Yep. That's what travel does. It wakes you up. It lets you go, hey, this is really cool shit happening here. Pay attention to it. Really cool shit. Thanks for sharing a bunch of really cool shit with me. Right back at you. There she goes, Deborah Carlson, my mom, Ama. What an amazing person. God, I'm lucky to have that woman in my life and to have her be my mother. Um, I don't ever think that that's lost on me, gang. Um, thank you so much for listening to my chat with me and Ama about our trip to Central America. Obviously, we couldn't hit it all, but I, I think we did a pretty good job of representing some of the highlights and giving you a vibe and a feel for what our time was like. Uh, for any of you who have the resources, the ability, and the interest, I can't recommend this part of the world enough. Uh, you will learn so much about yourselves, the world, and, and your own country. Uh, don't forget to sign up for a paid subscription today at whatamimaking.substack.com. Hit me with your 13 films list and pay attention to everything that's going on over at the blog. As always, we'll be publishing daily. You can vote in the Best Band of the 90s Challenge and all that other fun stuff. Until next time, my friends. I will see you on the flip side. Be well. family style and an international edition of Medicine and his ADHD baby.